When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Welcome to the family with... Co-host, Catherine Brandt. L.A. Nick. Alex Brandt-Bernard Rasmussen. Andy Brandt-Bernard. And Cassie Schrader. We will be right back. Our special guest, Leon R. Walker Jr., Broken a Memoir joins us next with the family. Where's the manager? Walzer Automotive presents Car Selling Secrets. Join me, Tom Bernard, and Doug Sprinthal as we talk cars, how to buy them, how to lease them, how to make the most of your money, and much more. What's it going to take to earn your business right now? Tune in every Thursday from 2 to 3 Central or download it on the Tom Bernard Podcast page. I don't know. I think I'm going to have to think about it. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt and talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. That works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? And, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Take these, bro. Oh, you're playing Broken Wings. I get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, is Leon with us? Yes, indeed. Yes. 
Leon R. Walker Jr., ladies and gentlemen, broken a memoir. Um, April is both Child Abuse Prevention Month and Sexual Assault Awareness Month. Because of the timeliness of these two movements, Leon would be honored to share his story with all you listeners out there to inspire change and help. Uh, molested three times starting at the age of six, addicted to pornography by the age of nine, and a witness to extremely violent fights between family members since birth. These graphic descriptions only scratch the surface of a boy born into an extremely toxic and dysfunctional family environment. Leon, I need to probably shut up and listen to your story because it's, uh, it's very touching, very powerful, obviously. Thank you. Yeah, you know, I hope to hope to touch people and help people out, you know, and, and to where people won't ever go through what I went through. Luckily, I'm still around to talk about it, you know. <clears throat> No, you're absolutely right. You are lucky because some people, some people, they just give up, and it's really, really a sad thing to see. Uh, it's, it's a hell of a story, uh, Leon. I read it, and it's just, uh, what, what can I say? Only as an adult man, and and I, you know, I, I always put it this way, Leon. Uh, I was never molested as a child, but I used to have fist fights with my dad when I was seven, and I never won one of them. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, uh, I didn't go. Bad, with... <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's 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 a whole different. People don't realize that stuff was pretty. Uh, ballpark. How old are you, Leon? I'm 53 now. I'll be 54 this year. <clears throat> okay, yeah. So, because because when you and I were kids, it was much more prevalent. Uh, particularly, you know, I grew up in the inner city, and and you grew up in East Cleveland. It, it looks like. Uh, it was pretty common to see people. I, there was a guy, we had a neighbor, in order to punish his kids, he would drag them into the middle of the street and beat the hell out of them to embarrass them and to harm them. He did both, and he did it on purpose. Yeah, and, you know, back then it was it was acceptable, and it got people's attention. People, parents didn't go to jail for that. Nope. You know? Not saying it was right, but they did it often, and it was like the most one of the common things to do. No, it was. You're absolutely right. So, so Leon, I, I just want to hear you tell your story because so you're a six-year-old kid and you're just trying to live a happy life and you don't know what the hell's going on in the world yet. There's no doubt about that. So so how did this all start, Leon? Well, it started with my two cousins in the first grade, you know, that I was still, I was still losing teeth. So, you know, you wake up in the morning, you look to have money under your pillow from the tooth fairy. Um, I did that, and uh, my cousin just spent the night. And so I wake up in the morning, I get the little quarters from under my pillow, and I knew they were in my sister's room. My sister was gone either downstairs, probably gone to school. And I said, hey, you know, I got some money from the tooth fairy. Uh, I'm going to go get some some candy from Gus's store. Gus was a store that we frequented throughout the, um, you know, throughout, throughout our childhood. It was, around, you know, around mm-hmm. the corner from my house. So I looked at them, and they looked at me like, you know, they didn't say anything. And then my one cousin grabbed me hung me on the bed, my other one sat on top of me, and that, this is when the first assault happened. It started sucking on my face, my mouth, they were kissing me, you know, my open mouth, they stuck on my neck, um, my forehead, my entire face, my mouth was bleeding. I didn't know. So luckily I got out of there, and I just ran off to school, and I get to school, and the teacher's like, Leon, what happened to you? I didn't know that I was bleeding. My mouth was so bleeding because mm, I had missed yeah. my tooth that came out, you know, so the pressure of them sucking on my mouth caused my mouth to bleed again. And I hooked my teacher, my first grade teacher, and blood was on her skirt, on her skirt and her sweater. And all she did was tell my mother at the time. Like you said back then, when parents were beating on kids or, or chastising, it wasn't a big deal. And all I did was tell my mother, and that was the last, that's the only thing I could possibly do. But 
that put me on a deep, dark, dark spiral as a child. You know, I never trusted women for many years after that. I had a hard time with women. That was the first incident. Yeah, I could understand that. So, so once again, at six years old, you pretty much trust everybody in the world. You think people are just inherent, inherently good people. And that got taken away from you at six years old. Uh, it's just, it should never happen. But it, it back then particularly, and I'm sure it still happens today, where, where young children are taken advantage of. And you just, you can't figure it out in your young head. You can't figure it out as a grown man, I'm sure, at 50 years old. It, it's, it's hard to figure out why those things happen, what caused it to happen. You know, there had to be a driving force between why, behind why they did that. Who the hell knows? You know, you assume it happened to them, I guess. It probably did happen to them, and the best way for them to get their aggression out or even something that they were they were addicted to was to attack me, and I was the first person. So, yeah, you know, kids don't report that stuff. They don't tell anybody, and I was one of those kids that grew into a grown man that never said anything about it. I didn't get any therapy until I was 50 years old when I was retiring out of mm-hmm. Navy because I didn't even realize mm-hmm. I was abused, but I was abused. No, I think most people, most kids don't understand. They think that everybody's treated that way, don't they? They think it's fair, right? They think that's a way of punishment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they, that's just how it is. Family, right. They, you never think that your family members would do that. But back then, if you think about it, it was real common for family members to do that to people. There was, you know, another incident, and we'll get to that too, but it was kind of common thing to do stuff like that. Sadly to say that, it happened a lot, not just to me. It did indeed. So now you're six years old. Um, basically, the, the story uh, broken a memoir, molested three times starting at the age of six. So so uh, was it over the next three years, I guess, is kind of the way I read it. You were addicted to pornography by the age of nine. So one of them must have exposed you to pornography in the first place, I would think. Yeah, so that was a family member that exposed me to pornography at an early age, around eight. And during that time is uh, when my babysitter was molesting me, raping me. Um, sadly, you know, oh, I didn't report geez. that either because my parents had a lot of hell going on. And I needed somebody to rescue me from the pain of my parents, from being hurt, you know, being listening to my parents argue and fight all the time, from being terrified mm-hmm. and not knowing what to expect. My father came home. So I had a lot of anger in me. I had a lot of hurt. I had a lot of a- agony going on within my own little mind, my own little body. So... My babysitter, again, a friend of the family, was the first person that took my, my innocence, took my virginity, and I was at eight, eight, nine years old. Sadly, like I said, it was, it was when we first did it, it was wrong, but after that, I started to like it because that was a, an escape for me. That's the only way that I can get rid of the pain that I had in my body and my mind. I started liking right. her having, having sex with her. She was much older than I was. Yeah, it, it just you think that again, you as the the person in the center, you think that's how all kids experience life. I'm 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 sure you just think, well, this is what everybody does, and so I guess we're just doing what's normal, right? Yeah, after the first time, after that, it was normal to me, and then uh, you know, sadly again, that's what I took into my adulthood that sex before marriage was a normal thing, and we all know, you know, when you think about God in the Bible, it's not a you know, fornication is, is bad, but I never even knew about fornication, even as a young young man, you know, uh, learning about the Bible. But to me, it was just a natural mm-hmm. thing to do, especially when I started liking it, especially when it started helping me get through the trials and tribulations of my dysfunction. That was the thing that was the thing that I looked forward to. I didn't look forward to playing with kids outside. I didn't look forward to reading books. 
I don't look forward to writing, you know, watching cartoons. I look forward to having sex with my babysitter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, I can understand it. And, you're, and by the way, Leon, you are not the first person I've ever talked to that went through that. I have another very dear friend of mine I've known in my whole life, and he began having sex with the neighborhood girls because they, they came on to him, and he was only nine years old as well. Uh, it just was normal to him. They're nine, he was nine years old, and he started having sex, and he just thought that that's what everybody did, right? Yeah, yeah. And you know what's crazy about that? This is luckily... I had the blueprint to rape somebody, but I didn't. I had the blueprint to molest somebody, but I didn't. I had the blueprint mm-hmm. to, to find those little boys, but I didn't. And a lot of these guys, these rapists, these serial killers and rapists, this is where it starts. It starts in their childhood. It starts from a parent molesting yep. them, or it starts from an uncle molesting them. It starts from a parent abusing them. And so, but still, they get caught and put in jail and say, well, why did you do this? Well, my mother did this to me, and my mother left me, and my father beat me, or my uncle raped me. So I had to do no. That I, I had those. I had the blueprint just like these guys did. But I chose to do something better with my life. I don't want to assault anybody. I don't want to rape anybody. I didn't want to molest anybody, and so I didn't. But I was deeply into porn, and I started, you know, delving into that. And so that's what one. That's that's the darkest route I took, aside from having a, an abundance of sex with a bunch of, a, a bunch of women. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Leon, was there was there a turning point? Look, obviously, you handled things very well. You said, I'm not going to do this, and you didn't do it. Was there something that happened to you or something that something that's in your brain just clicked, and you said, I, I can't be following this road like everybody else seems to be doing? What? Well, how did you escape all this? Because it's pretty impressive that you did. Well, there was a couple of reasons why how I escaped it. One reason was out of my control. It was my parents' divorce, right? So when my father, who worked at Ford Motor Company, when he had to leave the house mm-hmm. because of the divorce, my mother was working at a bar. She couldn't afford to take care of us. So we lost the house. When we lost the house, I lost my ability to watch porn. So that was it. And then when, when, when we lost the house, we had to move. So I didn't have the babysitter to have sex with. So I was forced to grow up and say, you know what? I can't do these things. These are wrong. I was forced to think that way. Had we stayed in the house, I would have still been doing it. Who knows who I, where, who or where I would be at this point. But moving and losing the house, my parents divorced, I was forced to let go of the porn and sex with my babysitter. So we lost the house. My mother made, sent me to live with a young lady that I didn't know, a lady that she worked with. And um, things got a little better, but I still had those fixes. I still had those demons deeply rooted in my soul. So mentally mm-hmm. I was still dysfunctional. Mentally I was still hurt. Mentally I was still lost. But I was kind of, it was just actually, indirectly, it was all taken away from me. Had we stayed in, in the house, I would still be doing it. But then, you know, aside from that, when, when she started, when she left, when we moved, and I had the babysitter, that's when I had thoughts of suicide because I had no way of controlling uh-huh. these urges that I had to have sex. You know, and then my mother moved a man in with us who was um, very vital in my growth and development, and he didn't show me, but he taught me how to masturbate. He told me about masturbation. That was another release that I had. So aside from being mm-hmm. raped and molested, then I was seen into porn. I started masturbating around nine years old because my my mother's gay friend taught me how to, you know, told me how to do it. He didn't. He never touched me. He never showed me. He never showed me. He just told me because I was complaining to him about these urges that I was having to mm-hmm. one have yep. sex, my babysitter, to two to have to watch porn, and I was like, you know, I'm having soft suicide. So. I had to have some type, some sort of outlet, and masturbation was one, the first thing. That's when I was introduced to it. 
I can understand that. Leon paints the picture of his poverty-stricken inner-city neighborhood filled with dysfunctional households where divorce, murder, lack of standards, lack of organization, lack of morals, no insight, no guidance, no direction, and no caring were normal. And you still got beyond it, Leon. Why, why do you think you've had, you had the intelligence and the character to get through all this? How, I, you do understand you had to be a very smart guy to get through all this. You know that, right? Well, I had to be very tough. I don't know about smart, but I had to be very tough. Yeah, you, yeah. Would, you would think that people are smart. You would want them to be smart. But I had to be tough, and I had to, I had to take a deep dive into myself with the common sense part. Both of my parents are very driven people. My father had a huge personality. My mother had an uh, addictive personality. So I had to figure out, you know, early on I saw my uncles. They used to talk about the Army. My father talked about the Army. So I wanted to go into the Army. You know, even at nine years old, but I knew I would have to wait another eight years to turn 17 to join the Navy, which is what I did. But I knew God at an early age. I saw God, and I talk about this in my next book called One Point Comes Out This Fall. But I saw God's eyes in in the sky, and I told my mother about it one day. But I knew then. It was a feeling that I got when I looked in the sky, coming from the candy store, that I saw these eyes looking down at me. And I ran in the house and told my mother. I had actually hopped off my bicycle. And she said, that's just God looking out for you. So I knew then that I would be okay. I knew then that I was on the right path. Regardless of my addictions, regardless of my egregious ways, I knew that I was close to God, close enough to keep me safe. So I I was a common sense type of kid. I wasn't smart. I had trouble concentrating in school because of the the race and molestation. So I Mm -hmm. I never considered myself smart. In fact, I felt like I was dumb and stupid. I was called slow. But... I did have common sense, and I got that from mainly from my father. And so I turned that common sense those thoughts into positive thoughts, and that was the only thing that really helped me get through it. Well, I will tell you, I'm here to tell you you are smart, whether you think you are or not, because <laughs> you are. There's no doubt about that. Well, I, I just you. And I love your courage, the fact that you will step up and write uh, a book, Broken a Memoir, your second book coming out in the fall. Uh, it's really a good thing that you're doing this because even if one kid out there hears about this and reads your books or is told about your book, told, told, maybe there's a kid listening right now in, in mom and dad's house and they're hearing you talk about this and they, it, you might inspire them. I think what you're doing is very, very bold. It's wonderful that you're doing it. You're a smart guy and you seem like a really decent human being to me, Leon. So just keep on keeping on, as they, they used to say. And I, I would love to have you back when the next book comes out, Leon. Definitely. I'd love to come back. You know, that I'd be honored to come on your show. I'm thank, thank you guys for having me today as well. Oh, it's our pleasure. Leon R. Walker, Jr., Broken, a memoir. Thank you for all your time today, Leon. All right. Thanks for having me, too. I appreciate it. Absolutely, sir. We'll be back with the family. It's Tom Bernard with North American Banking Company CEO and my buddy, Michael Bilski. Michael, let's say somebody has a plan to expand their business this year. How can North American Banking Company get that job done? At North American Banking Company, we'll take time to understand the customer's needs and wants and their plans for the future. Once we have a good understanding of that, we'll try to solve their financing dilemma. We won't take a cookie-cutter approach to any financing situation. Wonderful. So if I need cash to expand my podcast, you got a plan for me, too? No. Thank you. I see where this is going. Well, we love working with you. We can help any business, including a podcast that's already very successful. Who's better than you? That's what I want to know. I still never liked you, though. You are. No, I never. Don't try to make up. I don't. (laughs) 
Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, and an equal housing lender. Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. Spring is here, and there's no better time to ditch your contacts and pitch your glasses. Whiting Clinic is the place I trusted to do this for me, and it's not just me. There's a reason Whiting Clinic is the number one LASIK practice in the United States. Dr. Whiting's unsurpassed experience, the most advanced Contura laser technology, and lifetime coverage are all backed by Whiting Clinic's best price guarantee. Being the experts they are, they want to make sure you have the very best for your eyes, just like I did. Call now for Whiting Clinic's $500 off LASIK spring savings. If you're like me, not a big fan of glasses and contact lenses, then it's time you found out if you're a candidate for LASIK. And Whiting Clinic is definitely the place to go. Call 855-554-2020 today or visit whitingclinic.com to set up your free LASIK consultation. Remember to tell them I sent you and save 500 bucks on your LASIK. Offer expires June 21st, 2019. Good for both eyes only. Cannot be combined with any other offers. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Again, Leon R. Walker Jr. broken a memoir. Boy, that's a, that's a hell of a powerful story, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, that's an amazing story. Just listening to all he went through and things. I've heard that seriously, and and you know, you guys actually know who that friend of mine is. That same thing happened to him at nine years old. The teenage girls in his neighborhood started having sex with him when he was nine years old. Um. Oh, it's just unbelievable. But you, you, all of these different things. There was a kid one time, and you know, this obviously no names or whatever, but we're playing baseball at St. Joseph's back in the day, which is now pretty much where, where I-94 crosses Plymouth Avenue. Just a little south of there is where St. Joseph's Church and school was. But the kid's standing there, and he, he had epilepsy. And we were talking about his epilepsy. And you know, he was explaining to me what it is because I had not, you know, I was in, third grade I guess so I had never even heard of epilepsy and he was talking about it and I, I said what's the worst part of it and he goes oh my dad I said your dad is the worst part of it and he goes yeah he said every time I'm about to, to have because he called it a fit that's he called yeah, it an epileptic it, not a seizure they called it a fit they were then. fits back then yeah they were but he talked about every time that he could, my father could see a uh, a fit coming on he would beat me to try to beat it out of me so I wouldn't act like that. What? I said, well, how? And he kind of took it. He took his, 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 the waist of his pants and, and dropped it about six inches and then lifted his shirt. His dad would beat him with the edge of a spatula. So he had these huge cuts all over his body. Yeah, I don't think that's how epilepsy works. Sin- <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure it isn't. You're right about that. But that's how stupid his father was. I mean, he basically, his father basically told him, this is your fault. You're doing this on purpose. Mm. He literally thought the kid was doing it to him. Oh, I mean, that's God. just how dumb this guy was. But, yeah, the, the cuts up and down his body. That's why, to tell you the truth, all these experts, you know, who went to college, oh, this is what, this is what inner city people need. This is what people of color need, and this is what poor people. You don't have a clue what inner yeah. city people need. So stop saying that you know, here's the problem right here. You don't have a clue what these people are going through. They, sh- they all sure do think they have a solution, though. <laughs> they sure yeah, do. they sure do. <laughs> I listen to him talk, I go, you're an idiot. All this whole, uh, you know, the brown people 
You know how obnoxious that sounds yep. when you refer to people as brown people? Yeah, when people say brown people, it just makes me want to <laughs> oh, kill them. Vomit? Kill them. <laughs> well, I don't know about, okay. I don't know about killing them, but no, I mean, it's it, it was... Uh, uh, there's a, a kid, I mean, I can't talk about it, and I can talk about the... But he grew up in a fourplex and did not have a smooth, uh, smooth road, no. right? But he still, he still always said, "When I grow up, I'm gonna, I'm gonna move in there, uh, and, and I'm gonna stay in there the rest of my life because it's where I grew up and I love the place." And so he did. We we got a little older and you know became got into our twenties and and he went back to that very same apartment in a fourplex, got in an argument with one of the people in the other uh, one of the other units and killed everyone in the building. So it didn't not work just then. the people he was arguing with, but everybody. So you don't want to be pushing these people too hard because they got some a major problem, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, here's here's one of the the problems that I do have with the situation today. All these people who, because they went to college, think they know all about the the troubles and the tribulations and all. I know just how to. No, you have no idea what these people they, have and, been through. And the ones that know the most are the ones that were spoon fed their whole lives. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely right. They have no idea what kind of agony these people went through, honestly. Uh, but they're there. They're, we're an expert on this, and it's because of the uh, – look, one of my favorite things is, oh, you know, the white man with his uh, ma- toxic masculinity and his white privilege. And I'm gonna, Let me tell you something. I don't care which friend of mine or whatever, not all my friends, but I'm just saying I've seen – White guys, black guys, brown guys, Native American guys, uh, the whole shooting match beat the piss out of their children. It's not just a honky thing, you know. Mm-hmm. That's what they don't want to believe, though. They really want to believe that this is all a white problem, which is ridiculous, right? I see a lot of black people beat the crap out of their kids. Back in the day, absolutely. I, Every, mean, in, all in, I see it now in public. Go go no. to go to a Walmart. Go to a yeah. Walmart. No, that's I'm serious. Real, you'll see you'll see somebody Walmart. smack the crap out of their kid in Walmart. Oh man. yeah, it's common. Oh, you're absolutely right. It's it's to this day, and and you know, Catherine and the kids will tell you this. I cannot stand by and watch somebody hit a, hit anybody. I can't stand there and watch it. It's, I go over and I, I have to break it up. I have to get involved. I can't watch it. Well, I recently had to let. Painful. I had to recently watch some, and I, I had no option. So it was on Nicolette Mall, and there was, I would say between five and six teenagers, um, and there was a guy walking down Nicolette Mall on crutches. Well, they oh, came God. running up behind him and grabbed both crutches and started beating them with them. <sighs> What? Oh, yeah, and and there wasn't a lot I could do because there was six no, of them, I could see that. and they were all yeah. they were all you know set sixteen to nineteen year old teenagers, and you no, know, I, I I thought about it, and I'm like, well, I'm just gonna get beat up too. Yeah, I mean, well, I the best thing you could probably do is film it and send yeah. it to the cops. They don't. Well, there's there's cameras anything. every single block of Nicolette Mall. I mean, they have no film. They, they, I've been in I've been in the control room. They see everything, but those kids they, can they, 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 they clearly see faces. Oh yeah, oh yeah. They have great cameras. They can zoom right in. They beat that guy yeah. and then broke both crutches and threw him in the in the vent in the planter, and uh, they, they didn't. They just did it for fun. 
for fun cool. to beat somebody to they a They didn't rob him or fun. nothing. Just beat oh, him up. God. What time of the day was this? Midday. <sighs> Midday. Makes, yeah. makes me just absolutely Like 1 o'clock sick. in the <sighs> afternoon. I know. What they've been doing to it's that city. Sad. It's just what they've done to that city. Is it, Well, I see now somebody else is closing down downtown. Uh, what is it, Avon Payne? I don't know how anybody's. Avon Payne? Oh, oh, in the Skyway system. Yeah, yeah well, that's, that's a tough spot. Yeah, it is Aubon, a tough spot. You know what's Aubon, funny? Aubon, now that I'm out Aubon, in the, in Aubon, the Aubon. suburbs, every restaurant <laughs> is completely packed jammed every night. Like, you can't even get in yeah. any of them. They're 40-minute waits Monday. Uh, uh, seven suburbs? days. Oh, yeah. Seven days a mm-hmm. week. Seven days a week. Even for Not lunch. Not the Dayton bar. Oh, yeah. Even even, <laughs> even oh, lunchtime yeah. at Maynard's in, in Maple Grove, it's packed. Oh, yeah. Maynard's is very popular. So, but yet, and every restaurant downtown is just a ghost town. So why would yeah. you open, oh, why would you no, open up down true. there? I don't understand why you no, would open right. up down there just to say you own you have a restaurant in downtown. Pretty much. Well, because there's so many people moving into downtown. I mean, they can't keep up with the so apartment they, building so they, and so, everything else. So they say. No, they're they're packed. <laughs> so Believe me, say. I I sold Andy's uh, condo down, uh, you know, in the North Loop, and it was sold in yeah. a, a, like a few hours. But it was at that yeah. price point. That's why. Yeah. It was. Well, yeah, it was. but there's a lot of stuff in the North Loop that's affordable. And, and there's a lot of apartments now. Well, I'll that tell are you, I, uh, mm-hmm. yesterday Nancy Nancy's car died at downtown, and she calls me, and I'm at the house in, in Dayton, and she calls me, and my car's dead. So I jump in my car, drive d- downtown, and her battery's dead. So and it's a brand new car. It's a newer car with a brand new battery. So mm-hmm. I said, you must have a bad alternator. So I give her my battery so she can try to make it home on a good battery. And I tell you what, after we got her car running, it needed gas. So I had to go to Bobby and Steve's there on the corner, you know, down mm-hmm. Washington. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, it was rough, man. Rough, a, lot yeah, of rough, a lot of mm-hmm. rowdy, bad people, man. There people are throwing indeed. their I trash. I watched a guy empty yep. his car right on the ground, all his trash. <laughs> I mean, literally, music blaring on 20, the whole car vibrating, and he emptied his whole car onto the ground. Why not? I just don't understand why you want to act like that. Why do people want to be like this? Is it so people can just... It's easy. Really? I don't think they know any better, Catherine. I don't think they know any better. I don't think they were ever taught. That's just wrong. You might be right. I will. T- let me just say one thing very quickly. Nancy's far too good for you. Okay, let's get back to the conversation. <laughs> I just talked to Nancy today. <laughs> you did? I just talked to Nancy today. Yeah, she. Um, I sent her some information about the house um, or the, the barn siding and the roof and all that oh. stuff. So she had it for her file, and so she called me. So we were having a little conversation. She told me all about the alternator, that there was a little swearing going on when you were changing that out. Well, I, had a, I drove her car home and went to get the auto alternator because Honda wanted $700 for an alternator. I'm like, uh, no. Uh, that's just for the, So I was like, uh, no. So I went to O'Reilly's, and they had it for 230 and I put it in. Excellent. Oh. Oh, O'Reilly's. But it was, auto it, it was, it was a very frustrating installation. To say the least. Really? Well, at nine o'clock at yes, night. Yes, I can see that. You know, and it's buried in the in that. That's a V6 Honda. It's buried in there. You have to take most of the car apart to get to it. 
I've never understood. Okay, I, I also was having this conversation with her. It's like the stuff that goes out all the time in cars. Why don't they have that so that you can get to it? Anybody? Good question. Good question. <laughs> they used to. You know? No, they used to. All the old cars had it was a V-shaped bracket in the front with the alternator on one side and the air conditioner pump, the compressor on one side, and the water pump in the center. Easy peasy. You could do it in two seconds. It was two bolts. And then front-wheel drive cars came out, and the engine went sideways. So then everything got mm, buried. Yeah. yeah. Oh. That's what That's happened. True. We were. It was funny because I was also talking to her, and this is before we started the podcast about city deer versus country deer. <laughs> you guys were having that conversation last hour about city dog city, versus country dog. City dog versus country versus dog. Versus country dog. That's exactly yeah. It's like we've got these deer that just won't even get out of your way in the city. No, they just, no, they just they stand there. They're just like, what do you want? <laughs> exactly. You're honking your horn, revving your engine. You can't get in your own driveway because they'll just true. sit there staring at you. And then they're like, I'm going to get my lawyer and sue your ass. Yeah, they kind of do have yeah. that attitude. Yeah, country they deer, do. as soon as they spot you, they run. Yeah. Yeah, they're yep. way more timid. That's very, very true. You know, before we uh, continue on here, there's only a couple of minutes left in this segment. I do want to say one thing about Leon R. Walker Jr. and his uh, memoir, um, Broken. People do need to understand when Leon talks about that in interviews, oh. when Leon wrote the book, oh. um, and it's very good for people to write, sit down and write things about their life. Sure. It's very it's good cathartic. to see it. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's cathartic to put it on a piece mm-hmm. of paper. But when he was writing that memoir, Broken, he he felt like it. he felt again when he was six years old. He felt like he felt when he was nine years old. He had to go through that whole thing again, and I'm sure it just keeps repeating in his head. And people do need to understand that, that he will never completely lose that. It's always going to be with him. That's how sad that thing is. Isn't that terrible? It is. It's very sad. It, it is just sad. is. What a nice man, though. You know, just very bold to get out there and try oh, to help other people. So pretty, bold. Pretty brave to even yeah, say very, very write brave. the stuff that he wrote. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, it, well, look, it, there were, what is his two, two cousins? He didn't say how old they were. But I'm assuming they probably were, what, young teens maybe? You know, who knows? Well, a lot of people expose their kids to a lot of different stuff. Yeah, they I sure mean, do. they watch porn in front of their kids. They're doing drugs See, in front weird, of their little man. kids. I, just they just, I know. It really I never, is. To me, they just my, don't both, think anything of it. Both my parents, to me, were saints because I never seen them do anything wrong, like, ever. I remember in high yeah. school and, like, college, college especially, people would, like, Talk about how they drink with their parents, like they play beer pong never with their parents. parents, and I'm like, what? That's so weird. No, <laughs> with your my parents mom never even what? cursed in front of us. I did plenty. Mine yeah. didn't. Hey, my mom <laughs> would say, yeah, my mom, I did it when you were little. If my mom got really, when you were little, really mad, she would say friggin'. 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 I yeah. don't swear really at all. I say, I'll say like, dang it, or I say friggin'. Yeah. Sometimes, my mom would say, if, if she got really mad, she'd say friggin'. Yeah. I'll go, oh, yeah, no, sometimes, but that's about I will, it. I'll tell the world and I'll tell everybody on this show, Catherine never watches porn in front of me. So <laughs> I want to tell her how much I, I appreciate no, that. Porn is not. I don't get the whole watching porn thing, <laughs> man. I yeah, I'm right. sorry. I just don't get it. It, it makes don't. me panic. No, it just makes me. Makes me I, I'm like, oh my god, what is this? I just no, don't understand I it. I don't get it. I, I can see, I can see there the allure of looking at a beautiful person, but I don't get the yeah. whole porn thing, I man. Know. It's creepy. It's like, mm. no, you're absolutely this right. This is an intimate but moment. Why am I watching? I just don't get it. 
No. I oh, don't either. a listener just tweeted to me about why they put the weird thing, the car pieces in. Let me see here. Latte <laughs> sprinkles. What are you Remember, about? I was talking about the fact that they, they put things that need to be changed in cars very in, uh, in very places. inaccessible areas, uh, if you were listening. Um, no. Got tweeted. I'm <laughs> no. guessing they make the changeable things in cars really hard to get to, so you have to bring them to a dealership and get them fixed. Well, the reason Doug why- could probably confirm or deny no. these allegations. <laughs> the, real, the real reason why is because we want the front wheel drive cars, so the engine got turned sideways. So now yeah. everything's on the side, and they had it congested they can all in there. engineer anything better. Mm. They can make it better. Well, there's a lot of there's a lot of rules in to, to what can be sold in this country. I mean, you that's go to true. Europe and look at some of their cars; they're easier engineered, but they're not legal here. Yeah, that's we true. We got to get cooking because we have a we have a guest in a minute and a half, oh. so we'll be right back with our special guest, Amara Cash, a director. We'll be talking to Amara right after this with the family. What are the things you want to avoid when it comes time to sell your home? Hey, it's Tom with my realtor, Chris Lindahl. If you're like most people, it's things like open houses, staging, decluttering, repairs, maintenance, and all the people coming through your house. Hey, Tom, the Guaranteed Offer Program from Chris Lindahl Real Estate was created for people like you so that you can avoid the things that you don't like doing when it comes time to sell your home. We have been presenting offers for homes in most price ranges. Homeowners are loving our guaranteed offer program, especially how much money they are making on their home sale without the inconveniences. So this program is for all price ranges and conditions, including perfectly maintained homes? Most homes do qualify. To see if your home qualifies, go to chrislindahl.com and click Get Offer right now. Will you be the next homeowner to accept an offer from our guaranteed offer program? Find out now. If you qualify, you will get an offer in 48 hours or less, and the best part is you get to pick a closing date that is convenient for you and close in as little as three weeks. Go to chrislindahl.com right now to see if you qualify or call 763-401-SOLD. That is 763-401-SOLD. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry. This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Saber and Bryant, whatever it takes. We have no bumper music, by the way, because Cassie left. What do you mean she left? He's gone. We're back. Oh, yeah, that's true. It's just pouring, so that's, that's very true. Sure is, is Amara ready to go? Yes. <laughs> Amara Cash, how are you? Hello, Amara. I'm great. How are you? Oh. I'm wonderful, thank you very much. The movie's called Daddy Issues, opening, as a matter of fact, in two days on April 19th at the Imagine Theater in Lakeville. Daddy Issues follows Maya, a talented queer artist on the verge of a first love that is more complicated than anything she could imagine. Maya spends her days escaping into her drawings and social media, where she cyberstalks the alluring Jasmine. Now, who, wait a minute, Damar, so who actually is Maya? Is there a real Maya? Or is it based on somebody? I guess is what I'm asking. Uh, the real, the real Maya, the Maya is she's a character in the film. No, she's a fictional character in the movie. So she's not based on anybody in in particular. Okay, I just wanted to check and and, and find out. Oh uh, no, I mean she's but she's 
she's inspired by people that I've met, but she's not she's not one person in particular. She's a pixie princess. She's into all pastel color palette wardrobe and her art, and she's she's a little pixie cosplay girl. So she's not you. She's not me, okay. no, <laughs> but I've known a couple of her. Okay. When Maya and Jasmine's paths finally cross, they begin a romantic relationship that provides Maya her dream of first love and Jasmine the inspiration she needs to jumpstart her career. It's here it is, Amara Cash. It's all gumdrops and fairy tales until a bizarre love triangle soon emerges, all because of daddy issues. So what's that all about? Daddy issues. So we've got Jasmine, and I would say I'm a little bit closer to a Jasmine. I think everyone can relate to being either a Maya or a Jasmine. Maya's very innocent, and Jasmine's very naughty. And Jasmine has a sugar daddy. So that's the way she makes her livelihood. That's the way she survives as a single woman in Los Angeles. She's got a sugar daddy, and it's um, it's a big secret that's revealed. And Maya, it's, it really devastates Maya because she's completely in love with Jasmine. You know, it's pretty amazing, Amara. Who, who wrote the bio, by the way, for the movie? Who, who wrote the descriptor of the movie? Oh, we did myself and my writing partner, Alex Bloom. Okay, well, the, the reason I ask you that is because uh, as you do interviews and all the rest of it, do people, because there got to be some people out there that don't understand or don't know, and they get very nervous about the word queer, don't they? I mean, I don't because I know exactly what you're talking about. But some people are, are some people touchy about that, not wanting to say that word because it's ridiculous if they do. Absolutely. I have found I, me myself. Yeah. I'm a millennial. I, I, I didn't grow up hearing that word as a bad, hateful thing. Um, right. But I know that it used to be used as a derogatory term. So I have run into that of people saying, oh, well, why are you calling her queer? Why not lesbian? And she is a lesbian. Um, I like the word queer as kind of an, an umbrella um, of anyone who's kind of different or quirky or kinky mm-hmm. or, or um, gay. So I kind of use it as an umbrella term. I don't, I don't think it's a bad thing. I use it as a positive thing. Um, and, and I think that it's outdated to think of it as a derogatory term. I think we can move past that and embrace it. See, I think you're absolutely right. And that's why I brought up in the first place, because people need to understand if you keep treating it like a bad word, it's going to stay a bad word forever. Whereas if you embrace it and just go, yeah, that's fine. You can call me that. You can call me whatever you want to call me because it doesn't have any impact on me whatsoever. People give words this, this horrible meaning and they just, they get so nervous, like, no, 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 mm-hmm. just embrace the language, just just say the words, whatever it is, they'll lose all their power, and everybody will feel much better about themselves, don't you think? I think so, and for for me, myself, I'm kind of, I'm I'm not straight, and I'm not gay, I'm somewhere in between, and I like to call myself queer, I like to identify as queer, because for mm-hmm. me, it's kind of a broader term, and it feels com- it feels comfortable for me, so that's why I use it. Yeah, I understand that completely, and I, I'm I'm glad we just we've had a, a few guests on today, and and a lot of bravery going on. We had uh, a, a man on just earlier this hour who grew up with a severely abused childhood, both sexual and physical abuse, and all the rest of it. But his bravery is mm. is 
you know, so present. It's so there. You just go, God, what a great conversation. And I'm kind of getting the same feeling here. Like when I did see Daddy Issues Follows Maya, a talented queer artist on the verge of a first love, I said, well, Amar is an honest person. I like this. You know, you just do it. You don't like it, then don't don't worry about it. Right? I mean, I love that. And that's completely what this, yes, and that is completely encompasses the entire vibe of this film. This film is out there. It's a bit racy. It's a bit controversial, but it it owns itself. It has a good message in the end, and um, it's definitely a wild ride. So I, I feel like we just have to throw it out there right away that this is something different. Yeah, I think, and I think it's a great thing to tell you the truth. I, I just, uh, you know, live your life, uh, be happy, who you are. I see. I never understood Amara first of all, and and this this all is all encompassing with the movie we're talking about, daddy issues. But I don't understand why anyone would care what you do in your sex life. Why would anyone? Why would anybody? I mean, care in a bad way. Why would they go? Oh, you shouldn't be doing that. I Absolutely, mean, it's your sex life. It's your sex life. What do you, does anybody else even care? I completely agree. I grew up, uh, my mom is very uh, eccentric and quirky and accepting of all different types of people. So I grew up kind of in an accepting bubble and a very positive accepting bubble. Um, so for me, I, I kind of forget that people care what you do in your personal life because I think it's all yeah. about how you treat people how you conduct yourself in society. You know, if you're not hurting anyone else, who cares? If you're just living your own life and, and, um, and being kind to other people, I think that's really all that matters. So I actually tend to forget that it's such a bad, that it's such a big deal for people, um, same sex relationships. It's, uh, it's it's not really a big deal to me. So, (laughs) no, it's a good thing. So we're talking to Amara Cash. She's the director of daddy issues. Alex Bloom, your pal wrote it. And then Jenna, she she pronounced her name correctly. Chidichi. Chidichi. Yeah. Uh, It's kind of close, but you know. You got to go the whole Italian route on that one, Mara. <laughs> that's all. That's what I'm saying. There you go. But, there yes. you go. Sebi So, yeah, uh, um, Amara, what inspired this project? So, you, you you get together with Alex and say, "Outlooks, I I wrote this, Amara, and I'd like you to direct it." And is that the, is that how this all got started? No, as a matter of fact, I had the seed of an idea that I really wanted to do a love triangle with um, a straight character, a bisexual character, and a gay character. I wanted to do a little something for everyone. Um, And I found myself caught in a love triangle many, many years ago. And uh, it really inspired me to, to kind of explore my own sexual identity. So I thought of the idea of, you know, let's, let's really dive in and do a love triangle. Let's do something a little bit different. And from there, we developed the script together and wrote it together. Okay. And then, uh, we had Jenna also giving feedback the whole way through. No, I mean, that's true. Where are you from originally, Amara? I'm from Florida originally. From Florida, okay. And then where do you live now? I'm in Los Angeles, California. Okay, yeah, that's one. I, so, do you are you traveling around with the movie? I mean, uh, are you going to be in town this Friday, or or, or is uh, maybe Alex Bloom going to be in town? Are you traveling with the movie? 
we have traveled. I took it to film festivals last year. So last year we oh, okay. um, were in Outfest. We won best first, yeah, we won best first feature film there. I took it to London, Toronto. I took it all around, and then from there we got distribution, and that's how we are in the theaters and coming out on demand this Friday. So I kind of did the tour already and uh, took it to the festivals and got the awards, etc. So you got a lot of awards. I want to hear about your awards. I'd love to hear about your awards. <laughs> well, we got um, we got Best Director in London at the International Film Festival. There, we got um, we uh, we got Best First Feature Film at Outfest. Like I said, at the uh, Midwest Weird Fest, we got Best Director there. We won a jury award at the Arizona Underground Film Festival. So uh, we've been showing it kind of at like cult film festival type of places as well as queer mm-hmm. film festivals. And it's, it's done very, very well with, with both groups. So if you're an independent yeah, filmmaker or film lover and, you, and um, you like quirky different things or underground films, you will love it as well. I think it, well, see, that's a, that's a wonderful thing. So how, how does Maya meet Jasmine in the first place? So she's been stalking her for a while online. And as, <laughs> oh, as nice. I'm, I'm going to assume you guys know, <laughs> typical teenage behavior, by the way. Um, yeah, so yeah. she's been kind of following her through Instagram and Jasmine tags everywhere she goes. So every time she's out at a bar, she tags her location. Every time she's out at a club, she's, she's telling her oh. followers where she is. So Maya finds out where she is through her social media. It's very, it's a very modern love story. And, um, she actually goes and meets her because she finds her location through Instagram. Ooh, that's a little scary. Yeah, but it's it's uh, kind of normal these days. People meet online yeah, all no, the it is. time. It's, no, you're uh, absolutely right. What? And and that's kind of like it's kind of part of you know your own cybersecurity. If you want to share where you are and you have a public profile, people are going to see where you are, and that's how Jasmine oh, yeah. chooses to live. She's on out loud and online. Now the title "Daddy Issues." What's that all about? Well, there's a big twist that I cannot reveal, but I will okay, yeah, say don't do that, yeah. yep, that good. every character, I won't do it, but every character in this film has daddy issues in one way or another. So everyone's dealing with their own uh, daddy issues in one way or another, and they all um, completely have, have formed in different ways and have expressed themselves in different ways, but they all have daddy issues, all of our lead characters. So that's See, kind of what the film is about at the end of the day is family and that father dynamic. But I think that's very smart because it doesn't matter if you're gay, straight, whatever you are. Um, everybody has daddy issues. So, I mean, everybody understands daddy issues, I think. Absolutely. And we even have some mommy issues in this film as well. It's not really sure. about their sexuality. It's more about um, their relationships with their parents at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you, did you, growing up, did you have daddy issues at all? Uh, you could say that. Um, yeah. <laughs> sure, yeah. I mean, yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Me too. Me too, Amara. I had daddy issues myself. And actually, uh, our son and our daughter are in <laughs> studio. So, did Andy and Alex, did you have daddy issues too? No. 
No. I, don't think so. I didn't think so. They did, my, my kids oh, well, did not good. have daddy issues. Yeah, that was a nice like thing. Like they did admit it Did they have mommy issues? <laughs> yeah, Odie. Yeah. Totally, for even sure. Mom, mom's less, here too, Amara. Even less so. Uh, what do you mean even less so? So you did have daddy issues. I didn't have Amara, daddy issues. Amara, no, the, truth is, the, but the truth is coming out, Amara. Right here. It's coming out right here for the first time. God, unbelievable. I look forward to seeing your movie. Uh, the movie's called Daddy Issues, opening April 19th at Imagine Theater in Lakeville. Amara Cash, the director. Alex Bloom, the writer. Jenna Chirichi. We're going to just say that from now on. We're going to say it like that, so that'll be good. Produced uh, the film. Perfect. I think it's one. Well, I'm, I'm really happy you came on today because, to tell you the truth, Amara, I like honesty and people just getting out there and, and saying what they, what they mean and saying it the way they mean it because it takes all the power away from people that see it as a negative. I think it's wonderful what you're doing. Oh, thank you so much. Absolutely. Well, this film definitely has that vibe. And if you can't make it to the theater, we're going to be available on demand and on iTunes. So you can always find us there. Hopefully you guys can make it out to the theater. But if not, you can get us online. That'll be terrific. Amara, come back. We need to talk more about all this stuff and educate people that they shouldn't be afraid of words because it's a bad idea. And I want to talk next time about porn. (laughs) I want to thank you. Okay. Okay, Amara, next time you come on. Okay, so tomorrow. It makes me uncomfortable, too. (laughs) Yeah. Grosser. Amara will take care of it. Come back soon. I'd love to have you back on very soon. That'd be wonderful. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. You too. Amara Cash, ladies and gentlemen, the movie's called Daddy Issues, opening at the Imagine Lake, uh, Imagine Theater in Lakeville, Minnesota. It opens this Friday, but it's also available um, on... uh, Several different formats on Friday, so that's cool. Thanks Wait. for what? Breaking news. What's Quickly, breaking news? Bomb threat shuts down University of St. Thomas St. Paul campus for oh remainder my, Wednesday. Oh, God. Oh, my I, God. Oh. When is this going Good to stop God. with this people. hatred? The hatred Grow that people have. Grow up. Go to therapy. Quit doing drugs. Just go, stop just it. Just go listen to Dean Martin love songs. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> listen to some go. nice music with it's good messages. <laughs> well, it's really too bad that Cassie had to leave early because she uh, lined up some really, really great guests today. They're, they're terrific. I thought it was very, very, uh, a very interesting show because yes. you got yeah. se- several different. You know what? Honest to God, I, I love those kinds of shows. We'll talk to you tomorrow with the family. 